Crush your menopause sugar cravings just in time for summer with all-natural Bossa Bars Menopause Energy Bars. They're delicious keto and intermittent fasting-friendly bars created to help women manage weight loss and energy during the challenging stages of the pause. Try them at bossabars.com. That's B-O-S-S-A bars.com and save 10% with code HOTCOOL10. Welcome to Hot Flashes and Cool Topics podcast, the voice for women in midlife and beyond. At Hot Flashes and Cool Topics, we talk about anything and everything to do with midlife. My name is Colleen. My name is Bridget. And we just want to say welcome to season four of the podcast. Oh my gosh. I cannot believe it's season four. That's, that, that is wild. It's crazy. It, it really yeah. is. Three years of amazing guests, amazing conversation. And Bridget and I really just want to say thank you to every listener. We could have never imagined when we started this in September of 2019 that it would take off like it did. So we appreciate every listener, everybody who is on our email list, everybody who follows us, subscribes, you name it. Thank you. Thank you. We really appreciate it. We thought we would start off this season with Melissa Rivers. So most of you know her as Joan Rivers' daughter and the team from E! News for the um, red carpet. Everybody remembers that. And also Fashion Police. And she wrote a book recently called Lies My Mother Told Me, Tall Tales from a Short Woman. And it's a hysterical satire of conversations that she just kind of took her mom's ideas and made them funny and amplified them. And it's just a very funny satire that we talk about on this episode. We talk about her son. We talk about her life. And we also talk about some fun stories from the red carpet and really how times have changed. And she doesn't think that they could redo something like this and have it have the same effect as before. Right. I mean, it's so you will hear, you know, you'll hear that in the conversation of just memories. I have my daughter, which I told Melissa Uh, that my daughter was a huge fan of Fashion Police and a huge fan of Joan Rivers. And then Colleen, you had some interesting stories too. I had actually met Joan Rivers and Melissa when she was doing a show in Atlantic City and my parents owned an amusement park right by there and she would drop Melissa off. And I would actually like, you know, take her to see different things at the amusement park. And so I have had experience meeting Melissa and Joan before. And I remember one distinct time where I was, you know, I was 12. I was a stinker. I was probably arguing with my mom about something. And I felt this arm hand on my shoulder and I turned around and it was Joan Rivers. She, and she looked at me, and she said, don't argue with your mother. And I'll always remember <laughs> that because, you know, from what Melissa says, she's quite formal. So yes. Yeah. I thought that was so interesting how different, how, how the business part and the home life was separate, right? Yes. It was very interesting how they made a distinction between the two. So she has lots of stories she's going to share with us and it's fun to listen to. And we know you're going to enjoy this episode. Season four, we are bringing new guests, new topics. If there's something you want us to share, please make sure to email us at hotflashes.com cooltopics at gmail.com. And just let us know. I'd really love to hear about this or that. And Bridget and I will find the experts to bring it on. And you just never know what the topic's going to be from week to week. So make sure you're subscribed to the show. It's season four, it's episode one, and it's Melissa Rivers. We hope you guys enjoy it. 
Welcome back to Hot Flashes and Cool Topics. Today, we are going to be talking to Melissa Rivers, the daughter of Joan Rivers, who has recently written a book called Lies My Mother Told Me, Tall Tales from a Short Woman. And Bridget and I have both read the book, and we feel like we kind of were in listening to your conversations with your mom growing up. So welcome to the show, Melissa. Thank you. Thank you. What made you think now is a good time to write a book? My writing partner and I am constantly asked, how would my mom be handling this? And what would she be saying? So first we were going to like, let's write an article addressing this. Like maybe I'm on the more serious note. Then we're like, kind of boring. So then we decided, oh, let's let's do the history of the world as my mother might tell it. And then we got kind of stuck. Like the Inquisition was a little rough for us. And then we're like, I don't know, we're all talking about making up all these stories and lies. And we live in this sort of, as we like to call it, truth adjacent world. And we decided to run with it. And it just made us laugh. And it was just, it just writing it kept us laughing through COVID. Did you feel very open? It sounds like to say things in the conversation with your mom. You know what? No teenage girl feels open. You know what I mean? It comes down to like, no, I would run screaming from the room with my hair on fire. You know, it was so, people don't understand how like incredibly traditional our home was. Can you talk about that? Because in the book, obviously the stories that you tell don't reflect a traditional upbringing at all. But can you talk a little bit about, because we had shared before we went on the air that we had met once as teenagers when your mom was doing a show in Atlantic City, but that was your life. Like I met you once when you were doing it. That was your daily routine. Yes. What was that like and still have a traditional upbringing? My parents were very, very, very clear. And I like to call it, there was a separation of truth and uh, uh, church and state where there was fake life and real life. And fake life was work and all this outlandish and outrageous stuff. And home life was, you sit down for dinner every night. The phones are turned off. Homework is done. Homework was checked by my parents. Um, to the day my mom died, most of her my friends referred to her as Mrs. Rosenberg. And her phone at her house until the day she died was answered Rosenberg residence. And that is so the perfect example of the difference of the two worlds. Well, your book certainly doesn't reflect that one. No, no, not at all. Yeah, it was very, it was a lot of fun to just like run with her voice. Mm-hmm. And the frightening thing is people keep saying, did she really say these things? And I'm like, oh my God, she wasn't a total psychopath. What would she think of the book? Like if she read this book now, what would she think of, of what the kind of a license you took? Oh, I think she would be annoyed that she didn't think of it. You know, she would be like, God, that's a good idea. You know, and I think, you know, I would hope she would think it was funny. Um, I think she would. But I think mostly she would be irritated that she did not think of it first. Before your mother passed, my daughter was a senior in high school or just graduated high school. And my daughter loved Fashion Police. She loved it. She is so excited that I'm talking to you today. She has a very low bar. (laughs) <laughs> she she lo- loved it. It's it's so interesting the way you see her on stage, but then I also watched The Apprentice when you were on The Apprentice and Celebrity Apprentice. 
And you could tell at that end how meticulous she was. She was going around putting all the, uh, rearranging the frames, the picture frames and everything. And I think I can understand now what you mean when you're saying that she was this way, but she was very formal at home. Very, very. Yeah. So, I mean, people don't understand that. You know, and also we all grew up in a world that there were expectations and there was not, you know, I'm speaking sort of in a general sense between people our age, you know, we're Gen X, that you, there were expectations and you, and a certain level of courtesy and behavior was demanded and don't whine and you work and you work hard. And, you know, I just had a friend who has a millennial working for them who came home from Coachella and feeling really overwhelmed. And I'm like, oh my God, <laughs> you would go to Coachella, drive home, get two hours sleep and be at work the next day. Yeah. We often say that like when the kids nowadays we sound so old but when the kids say i took a mental health day our bosses would have been like you can now take 365 mental health days because you're not coming back like there was it just is a very different world so it was interesting to see when you tell these stories because you you know you tell stories of you know you traveling with your mom and kind of taking license on on all the affairs that she claimed she had with every person in every story and she was such a trailblazer for comedy at that time. Did she get, what kind of pushback did she get then? Because nowadays it just seems like it's a very different world. Um, You know, it was hard for a woman in the comedy business. You know, there was always pushback. There's still pushback for women comedians. If you want to take it to a, a, a broader topic. Oh, the, the pendulum has swung so far one direction that I don't know. I mean, comics are scared. And what really irks me, I can't believe I just used the word irks. What really upsets me, what really irks me um, is people are being canceled for things they did 20 years ago. And what upsets me about that, not that anyone cares, is you're telling people they can't grow and change and learn. Could you imagine if we were all judged for what we did at 22? Video cameras, you know, like your phone. no iPhone. No iPhone. Yeah, we didn't have that. Yeah. I I don't want people seeing me at my worst. Yeah. But yeah, Yeah. but not even your worst. Yeah. What was acceptable and not acceptable were vastly different. And I'm not saying that changes weren't necessary. And giant sweeping changes socially were necessary and are necessary, but not to the ex- extent that you can't allow people to learn and change. And that's, right. I feel like, a lot of times what people are saying. Oh, my God, you're canceled because of something you said at 25 and you're now 55. So I still have to be the same person. Oh, God, why did I go deep? So boring. No, no, but I think it's, you know, our demographic of listeners completely understand that because we're, we're 40 plus. So you're talking to Gen X and up. It's true. And I think that when I hear my kids who are in their twenties talk about, I can't believe this person said that, or I can't believe this person told a joke about that. I'm like, that is tame. Compared to nothing, (laughs) compared to the jokes that were, 
it, you, comedians, it's expected, you know, to tell jokes. What do you think, or really what was your opinion of um, the Academy Awards? Number one, with the three female comedians as hosts. And then two, what happened after? Um, I love that they had the three female comedians. Um, what I felt was not okay was putting them in a situation where they basically had to do material that was virtually toothless, especially for Amy and Wanda and Wanda, who's so sarcastic and so funny as is Amy, but you basically forced them into such bland humor. I felt like their hands were tied and I, I look at it differently. You know, I, I did. I think they all did a great job. Yes. 100%. Um, the slap, unforgivable, unexcusable. But for me, two things. One is then you went and took a victory lap at the Vanity Fair party. Like, wow. Wow. And the best quote I've heard about the whole thing, which really sums it up, is I forget who it was. Someone said, and you wonder how Harvey Weinstein got away with it all those years. Everybody just sat there. That was unbelievable. That that was just just so, I don't even know, just bullying. Like, bullying's okay then. Go ahead and bully. That's what I felt like it was, that bullying and was okay. Nobody's talking about what sort of, everyone's forgetting what came after, which was horrible. Venus and Serena, please, they have been conspicuously silent. Yes, that is true. He basically called himself Crazy Richard. Richard didn't like it. <laughs> didn't yeah. like what he did. Yeah. But I'm just saying, and the girls yeah. have to sit there, and now he, with this moment, and he now just disparaged their father. Right. Mm-hmm. And took away the hard work of everybody else. But, yeah. you know, he receives this award, and it just, it, overshadowed everything that oh. that movie stood for and all the hard work of everybody else that was put in. And it's a shame. And, you know, you were but saying... I felt, and I felt awful for them. Right. Yes. Awful. Oh, poor Questlove. That was just... That was awful. And we had talked to Florence LaRue, who was in The Fifth Dimension, and we had been talking to her about, you're in that movie, we're so excited for you. And then it's like you, it's like you can't even remember what happened. Yeah. No, but I felt so sorry. And I think that their silence is very telling of their thoughts on the whole thing. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. How involved are you still in the industry? Oh, dear God. Like this is my fourth book. Right. I have multiple projects. I have my podcast. I have two scripted shows that are about to be announced and I'm doing, you know, my normal stuff. You know, it's so funny because everyone's like, what are you doing? It's like, everything's digital now. Everything's on like, you can't find anything anymore. But oh yeah, I'm still working and Cooper's a junior in college and 21 and I can't get past that. You talk a little bit about empty nesting in the book in a, in a comedic way, but how is it really for you? Oh, it's awful. <laughs> it's awful awful and anyone who tells you otherwise is lying it's it's off for me it's awful but I have an only child it was a single parent so you know I did everything but wrap myself around his ankles and not let him leave the house so you know I I I am not enjoying empty nesting 
I did not enjoy it either. And mine are 26 and 29. And I mean, sounds came out of me when I hugged my daughter goodbye. She was the younger one (laughs) that I didn't know my body could make. I was like, and yeah, they both came back when the pandemic started and they're both gone now. I got a little bit better after that, after getting them back for a little bit, but I still miss them. And it's, it's not easy. Yeah. No, but I will tell you when my, my friends and I were laughing because it was like, as soon as we got into our new routines, because he was a freshman the year of the pandemic, you just sort of started to figure out your schedule and how you would do things and this, and then they come back and they've now had their first semester of quote unquote freedom you know, and suddenly you've got rules again. Yeah, that went super well in the beginning for everybody. And suddenly it's like, I like my schedule. And then you have to lose, they had to lose them again. And you, you know? just didn't know what was going to happen too. Are no. they going to be online? Are they going to be on campus? What's happening? But it was incredibly it's, stressful. Yes, it had to be. We like to call it the revolving door. They come, they go, they come. They might come back. I don't know. <laughs> I, I have a friend who literally who's a, was a single parent and his son, one of his sons came back to live with them after graduation or during COVID, sorry, during COVID. He's since graduated, but he was that whole senior, junior, senior COVID class. And his son was complaining. He's like, go live with your mother. And he went and lived with his mother for like eight weeks and came running home back to his dad's and he's still there. Oh, like, yeah. This is all good. Yeah. I don't have to pay rent. Oh, oh, sure. Yeah. <laughs> this is all good. And his dad's like, you need to get out. <laughs> and get out doesn't mean going and hanging out at your girlfriend's house. Right. It means go to work. Supporting yourself. <laughs> yeah. Go to like, let, let's, let's, let's move forward. But I think I'm, you know, I would be perfectly happy to buy a compound in Nev Cooper and his family live on it. That would be well, ideal. Absolutely. Yep. I that would, would say a nice 20 acre plot and you have a few houses and yeah. you just few mm-hmm. golf carts and there you go. We're, it, we're that right there. Ideal. That would be ideal. <laughs> you know, my son has managed to date for the last year, someone personality wise who resembles both me and my, and my mother in the sense of we're strong, we're opinionated and also, by the way, but that's his comfort level. Mm-hmm. And he can hold his own. He very much can hold his own. But being around a strong woman who is career-oriented, who has opinions, that I, that's where he's comfortable, which I feel like may help me, means I've raised, and, and not thinking there's anything a woman can't do. Mm-hmm. And that was one of my goals, raising him, was you. I want to make a good man. I think that's, I think you see that a lot in a lot of women uh, entrepreneurs, a lot of women that are very savvy business-wise, you see really great sons come from them. I, I don't know. I've just kind of seen that happen in the past. Well, I think it's because they're also very comfortable with strong women. Yes. Yeah, I think you're right. How accurate, and I know it's, it's you, you write in satire, but how accurate was the wedding planning for your wedding? Because it sounded a little bit like my own from my mother. So I'm just curious when you described your wedding planning, was there some accuracy in that or was it completely? Oh, I I think I probably, I don't remember exactly how much of it I wrote about in the book. Basically that your mother took over. And then, yeah, I think I may have actually written the watered down version. Okay. 
<laughs> I was simply a body <laughs> that it's, did not complain, just stand there and show up in in time. Okay, that's pretty much how you wrote it. Yeah, that's what yeah, <laughs> yeah, it was. I'm yeah. like, did I go way over the top? And I'm like, no, I think that's one where I actually underplayed what happened. <laughs> what really happened. Yeah, wow. just, just like, since like, like after I had Cooper, I'm like, uh, apparently I am not useful any longer other than showing up for work. <laughs> you may be excused. <laughs> well, I kind of, you know, you could understand that once Cooper is in the right state of his life to have a child. Don't that, scare me. No, don't. <laughs> but like my daughter got married last year and, and probably in the next two to three years, she's going to have a baby. And she knows I am going to step over her to get to that baby and I will adore her. But the baby is going to be spoiled rotten. And that's just because you earn the right as a grandparent. Well, she's simply served her purpose. <laughs> I think I'll word it that way to her, but it's pretty, it's pretty close. Uh, she served her purpose next. I have a friend who's about to have her first grandchild. Child, and that's basically her attitude is like she's her her daughter's simply a carrier. <laughs> But the, my daughter said, well, my daughter lives in Austin. And she said, are you and dad ever thinking about moving to Austin? I said, you have a baby. We will move to Austin. We will find a place in Austin. bribing her. There you go. You're bribing <laughs> your child. I am. Yes. What, are you we're... sure she said it in the way of, are you ever going to move to Austin? Or are you ever going to move to Austin? <laughs> Where was the inflection in that statement? the excitement one which okay. is surprising because she wasn't like that in college she didn't want me anywhere around her in college but now that she's out on her own she kind of wants me around suddenly you need mommy again yes yes they both stay on the phone longer than they did when they were in college they yeah in college it was kind of like, nice gotta go I've got to go now okay you know well, like I knew Cooper was having a hard week because I actually got texts that had full words well, <laughs> yeah, not just emojis or a letter or a thumbs up, like actual words yes. spelled out in a full sentence. Mm -hmm. No punctuation. <laughs> well, you can't yeah. have everything. I mean, right. yeah. I know I'm, I, I, I have high expectations. Yes. Yeah. Hope springs eternal. What was it like working with your mom on the red carpet? Because you talk a little bit about it in the new book, but I think you talked about it more previously. Yeah. I mean, we had fun and it was great. And I was very lucky to get the chance to work from her with her and learn from her. But it's like anything. I mean, we would have conflicts or mother-daughter conflicts and we would have coworker conflicts. And, you know, we would handle them very differently because she was a spit it all out, get it all off her chest, blah, and then move on and be fine. And I would seethe. So we would like have an argument when I was producing Fashion Police and she was hosting and then she, I would be driving her home or whatever. And she would be in the car going like, hmm, can we stop here? Should we stop and get a coffee? Let's go to lunch. Let's do this. And I would be like, I need to get home and you're going to be lucky if I slow down enough for you to get out. Just, just, oh. just start jumping. Wow. I'm going to leave you at the bottom of the hill. Good luck. <laughs> You know, so in that sense, like it was a coworker and, but it was, what was always so interesting is we handled that stuff so differently. 
And I would always get the, oh, you're being just like your father. Let it go. I'm like, it's been 15 minutes. <laughs> at least give me, at least give me a good half hour. I'm white knuckles on the steering wheel going. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and she'd be changing the radio stations over it. It does. Yeah. Oh Just like. <laughs> but you all were really to me, I felt like you are really were what brought made the red carpet a thing. You know, I, I don't really remember it being a thing before it, you. It wasn't. It wasn't. Yeah. It wasn't. Yeah. And we had so much fun. We had so much fun working together. And it was so exciting to be there at the beginning of it mm-hmm. and watch yeah. it grow. And at one point I did say to her, I think we may have released the Kraken. I'm not sure <laughs> if we're going to heaven or hell for this. <laughs> Um, but you know, it was such a special time and we really did enjoy working together and we knew each other so well, each other's timing so well that it was such, it was such an easy dance. Mm -hmm. Oh, she was so good. And I, I, whose boobs did she touch? I can't remember. I remember Christina Hendricks. Oh, that was it. She did the back of her hand against her boobs. That was so funny. I just, you know, it was just like, you know, everybody wanted to find out so just go ahead yeah, yeah. just go could ahead. you imagine doing that now that's oh. what I was just gonna ask oh. could you imagine oh my God. nobody asked didn't she ask she, she asked. asked of course she, she asked. asked she had permission. but still you wouldn't be even allowed to ask yeah, that's right true. exactly like because I was gonna say I don't think anyone has been able to I wouldn't use the term replace but kind of mimic the red mm-hmm. carpet that you and your mom had I just don't think it can be reinvented anymore it was a perfect time and a perfect place. But now people get so sensitive and angry about what you're wearing and, and does top 10 and, and the worst dress. I don't know that it would play like that now. It wouldn't play like that anymore. And I don't think everyone's like, aren't you going to bring it back? I'm like, how, right? How mm-hmm. you don't want what doing a show about everybody looking fantastic is not entertaining. Mm-hmm. It would get because it's also yeah. not realistic. You right. don't sit on your couch and say, gosh, doesn't everyone look great? You're like, oh my God, that's horrible. You know? So, and that's really what the show was mm-hmm. right, with fashion police. Yeah. Um, so can you do it again? I don't think so. Also, I'm not sure. You know, we had such a special dynamic, especially comedically. You know, we always joke, my mom was so smart. Even back then, she had the foresight to give birth to her own straight man. That always used to be like her joke. She was that forward thinking. You know, it's, and that was one of the hardest things for me when, after she passed, is sitting there one day and thinking, I'm part of an act. I'm part of a comedy. I'm part of a duo. How do I reinvent myself? Like, I don't know how. We were so entrenched in our roles that you, I would think to me, like, I'm lost. And that is so, it's so hard. It's, it's, especially for you, I lost my mother a year before your mother passed, but I didn't work with my mother. And I mean, right. God, I miss her. We both miss our mothers terribly. But if she wasn't, I didn't work with her every day. Right. It, but it does sound like you have found ways. Oh, yeah. It was amazing to me, like, suddenly, and it was so interesting because... A few months after she passed, I was at an event and was seated at one table over 
from Barry Gibb. And the second brother had just died. And the two of us hugged each other. And I said, I'm, I've never been anything but part of a duo. And he's like, I get it. He's like, I don't know. For as much as he did independently, just like me, did so much. Of, he's like, I, we're part of an act. Mm-hmm. And it was such, an, it, it was such a, a lovely moment because I'm like, someone understands how this feels. Mm-hmm. And you yeah. got to figure out how do you keep your career going and how do you continue to be a performer? I can't just go get another sidekick. For those women who are really close with their moms that are listening, that have either recently lost their their a parent or try, feel a little lost, what would you say would be like one or two suggestions you would give them to kind of just start to just take a step forward, not necessarily move forward, but just kind of accept this reality and, and start to process it? You know, I always think about that my mother's, the best way to honor my mom's legacy was moving forward. And that's what I always say to people. First of all, everybody grieves differently. Don't let anyone tell you that what you're doing is right or wrong. Grief is terribly personal. And just remember, if you loved your mother and you had a good relationship and she loved you, she's not going to want you to just sit in a puddle forever. Your mother's not going to want you to be miserable and allow yourself to move forward. You're, you're doing what she would want you to do. And that's sort of a hard concept to get your head around. Yeah. But it's true. Mm -hmm. Your mother doesn't want you sitting in a puddle for the rest of your life. You know, doesn't mean you love them any less. It doesn't mean you think, don't think about them every day. It does not mean any of that. But if you really loved your child, do you want them to just be miserable? One day at a time. Yep. Just keep moving forward. And, and, and then it's good memories that you have after that. It's great. And I, I went through that after losing my father. Mm-hmm. Um, it becomes bittersweet. I, I was talking to someone the other day and they were talking about their daughter. Have her, they were divorced. And when her daughter's father died and she still hasn't gotten past it, I said, how long ago? And I'm thinking her to say two years, three years. She goes, 11. And I'm like, does your daughter go to therapy? Because this is really unhealthy that she cannot move on from her father's death 11 years ago. This is bad. And therapy's great. Yes. (laughs) Therapy's great. You have to. You have to. And you talk about that in the book too. Yes, I do. Joys of therapy. Yes. And and I always tell my friends, the best part about therapy is you get to go and vent and say whatever you want and verbal vomit it all out. And you don't have to say thank you for listening because you're paying. Because you're paying. (laughs) (laughs) I was wanting to talk about your group text podcast. Could you, because I think you started that around the same time we started our podcast and um, how did that come about? And just how does that all work? Um, It came, uh, it came apart from about from looking at actual texts from different groups of friends and thinking we all talk about really interesting stuff. We talk about funny stuff. We talk about what we're watching. We talk about anything and everything. And I'm like, this could be a podcast. And that's literally how it started. What seems the most popular topics on your podcast right now to talk about? Anytime I have on a reality star. Really? Okay. <laughs> literally, anytime I interview a reality star. 
That is so, I know you had Dorinda Medley. Yeah. And, yeah yes. Anytime. So the book is out now and we want everybody to check out the book. It's called Lies My Mother Told Me, Tall Tales from a Short Woman. And check out the podcast as well. Thank you so much for coming on the show, Melissa. We really appreciate it. Oh, thank you. It was easy and fun. Well, I really enjoyed that conversation. Just, it's amazing to me that we got to hear just some inside stories from somebody that was actually there, actually what home life was like, actually what working with your mother is like. And it was, I just thought it was so funny how the personalities would change and and how she could turn, Joan Rivers could turn it on and off. And I just thought that was really interesting. Um, So, and that I love when she said she gave um, that Joan Rivers had given birth to her straight. Yes. To her straight man. Yes. (laughs) Anyway, I just thought that that was a great conversation. I was really happy to talk to her. I'm sure my daughter is thrilled that I talked to her and is going to probably listen to this episode, even though she is not a midlife woman herself. Hi, Maggie. <laughs> Hello, Maggie. <laughs> oh, but, but we thank you so much for listening to our podcast and make sure you follow us on social media and on YouTube. We share these um, videos on, as long as our guests agree to be videoed. We will share them on YouTube. And we also have TikTok. We have Instagram, we have our hot flash shop. So those are just products that Colleen and I both recommend, things that we like, that we like in our midlife. So make sure you follow that. The music is Zoot Suits by Um Guitar. And the show notes are written by Maya Rosenblum. And the video is edited by Jack Garrett. So this is a family affair. Yes, it is. So guys, get ready. We are we are excited for season four. Make sure you are subscribed. It's that little red button. And again, if you have any questions, just email us at hotflasheskooltopics at gmail.com. Have a great week and we'll talk to you next time. Bye.